you beautiful bastards. Hope you have a fantastic Thursday. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. And starting off today, we gotta do something I hate doing, but it is important to do. I need to say sorry, apologize for this, and acknowledge that yesterday there was a mistake in the show. Now, luckily it was somewhat inconsequential, but it still bugs me because a lot of you know I, I pride myself on the show so much. Yesterday, while talking about the Twitch YouTube streaming story, I said Corpse, who of course is one of the biggest streamers of the year, breakout creators of the year. I said that he he streams on Twitch, he uploads highlights to YouTube, it's more of a classic model. I said this with confidence and it, it actually just was not uh, accurate. And the good thing with this is we went back through the process, saw how this slipped through the cracks, so uh, something like this doesn't happen in the future on a much more important story. So, of course, while we seek perfection, no one will ever be perfection, but also, two, uh, it led to actually me talking to Corpse for the first time. He was a very pleasant and fun guy. Uh, I also, I apologize for the mistake. He was very understanding. Hey, no problem, Philip DeFranco on YouTube.com. It happens, but... If you ever mess up a story about me again, I'm slicing off your pinky toe. Praise Bingus. But yeah, with that said, welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. Buckle up, hit that like button, otherwise we'll punch you in the throat, or maybe Corpse will, and let's just jump into it. And the first thing that we're gonna talk about today is this absolutely ridiculous video that's gone viral. I don't know if you've already seen it. It shows a youth football coach yelling at a player before then hitting him hard in the head. You then see him walking around angry, yelling before then hitting that player again, this time slamming him to the ground. The child then gets back up, he continues to get screamed, at, the coach ends up grabbing his helmet, sending him off the field. This video blew up, getting millions upon millions of views. There was a lot of outrage here. As far as more details about the situation, according to local reports, this is actually a youth football team based in Savannah, Georgia for kids nine and under. With this incident happening while they were playing in the American Youth Football National Championships in Florida. You know, while we did see some people uh, kind of minimizing the situation or not having a big reaction like that of Roddy White, who tweeted them his kids, I bet, uh, which by the way, no, in fact, it wasn't. The primary reaction we saw was kind of in the vein of a uh, former NFL star, Shannon Sharp, tweeting, if that's my child, I've gotta have him. I'm going to carry his punk ass. Following that up with, I'll whip him even if that's his kid. I won't let anyone prey on the weak or vulnerable in front of me, not going to happen. An NBA star, LeBron James, expressing a similar sentiment, saying, ain't no way, couldn't be my kid. Hell, if I'm there and it's not even my kid, we're gonna have more than words for sure. Now, that said, as far as the team's organizers, there's a post floating around on social media that was allegedly posted and later deleted from the team's official Facebook page. With that post reading, please keep the negative comments off this page. Please, this organization has great coaches. We understand what we all saw yesterday was disturbing to us all, but let's not blame everyone for one man's actions. The guy in the video is our 9U head coach. He is a good guy that just took it a little too far on a 9U player. Also, as far as the coach in this video, he has since been identified as Darrell Williams and he released what some are calling an apology, but I mean, if you watch it, it doesn't really feel like an apology. I'm gonna apologize for my actions about what took place, but at the end of the day, I am a man, and I'm not gonna make no excuses for what I did. I was wrong. I shouldn't have disciplined him in public. I should have waited till he got back for doing what he did. At the end of the day, I apologize to him, the kids, the city, down here, and my family back at home. I do apologize. There's no excuse for my actions, you know. I hope, well, he forgave me, and his parents have forgiven me. So nobody else should be bashing. And you know, somehow with this apology, th this goofy looking asshole made things worse. One, fuck you, you absolutely worthless piece of garbage. Two, if what you're saying about the kid's parents is true, screw them too. And three, if you do not face charges for this, at the very least moving forward, you should never be put in a position of authority when it comes to children. It is clear as day to anyone paying attention. You look at your actions, you look at your bullshit words afterwards, and, and it is, once again, it's clear as day that you're one of these limp dick douchebag assholes that, that feels like you can do this 
to children to make yourself feel big and strong. I've got a dope life. I try not to do anything that will risk it, but if you do that to my child, you're gonna have a conversation with the wrong end of a baseball bat. And for the sake of my lawyers, I'm not saying I would do that. It's just in this world, sometimes bad things happen to bad people. Yeah, uh, going back to calmly reporting this story, the, the Savannah Gators have now come out and said that this coach will be removed from his role. Though it appears that once again, later deleted that as well and instead said, we don't allow or condone any of our coaches to hit a child in no way, shape or form. With the name Savannah Gators, we made a mistake and we will learn from this as we move forward. But in addition to that, an incident report from the Chatham County Sheriff's Office says that he's also been expelled from the league and won't be able to attend any games. And though we initially saw reports that he would face charges when authorities contacted the child's mother, she said she was aware of what happened but did not want to press any charges. Even telling the Savannah Morning News that she didn't want to talk about what happened but knows that, quote, none of these coaches would harm the kids. But uh, the mother's opinion here, and I also want to say garbage opinion here aside, there's actually more fallout to the story because it turns out that this guy was also a counselor for the Chatham County Sheriff's Detention Center and thankfully there he has also been terminated from that role. But ultimately that is where we are with this story. And hey, uh, whether you agree or disagree with me, I'd love to know your thoughts on the story and also what should happen with this coach, if anything. And then before we jump into the final story of the day, let's launch a brand new segment I call, let's try to jam as much news into the show as fast as possible because I'm not gonna see you till Monday. First here we have Cyberpunk 2077 in the news for multiple reasons. One, it just came out to generally good reviews. Two, you have a lot of people complaining about bugs, really bad graphics on the console versions. And three, reportedly the game has already caused seizures in some players. This including, as Kotaku noted, a Game Informer associate editor who reported yesterday that she suffered a grand mal seizure while playing a review copy of Cyberpunk 2077 due to the game's use of various flashing visual effects. With Kotaku reporting on the 8th, the game's EULA does include a seizure warning, but does not appear when regularly booting up the game. CD Projekt Red then responded, saying we're working on adding a separate warning in the game, aside from the one that exists in the EULA, which I think would be beneficial for a lot of people because who's actually reading through the end user license agreement? But good news is as of today, a seizure warning has been added. But also none of that is stopping this from just being an absolutely record setting game. Reportedly destroying Steam and Twitch records to become the biggest single player launch in history. Then we have the news that Avcare, a pharmaceutical company has had to recall two of their medications because a factory accidentally swapped an erectile dysfunction drug with an anti depressant drug, which, I mean, part of my brain goes, it's kind of two roads to the same destination, but also not, and it could be dangerous for people to take this drug that they don't realize that they're taking. So if dad or your grandpa's acting a little bit different today, uh, maybe check in, or don't if you don't wanna have that conversation, but maybe check in. Then maybe while you're having a small chuckle, let me give you bad quickie news. We have the Department of Labor today reporting that another 853,000 people filed for new unemployment claims last week. Right, that's the highest spike we've seen since mid-September, with another 428,000 people filing under the Federal Joblessness Benefits Program for free freelancers and self-employed workers. And all of that incredibly concerning on its own, but even more so because today we still have no COVID relief in Congress. Though, as Bloomberg reported, history suggests that if a 2020 relief deal does get done, it is likely to come together rapidly and at the very last minute. Indeed, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy said on CNBC Thursday, I think next week will be the week we get it done, with Treasury Secretary Mnuchin telling reporters Wednesday afternoon that he is cautiously hopeful a deal will come together, calling bipartisan talks quite constructive. But uh, of course, those are just words, and I think we're all just waiting for actions. Plus, there's also the question of what would this legislation actually look like? Who will make concessions. And finally, with these quickies, we should mention that Mitch McConnell actually broke from President Trump today, urging the Senate to pass the National Defense Authorization Act, even though Trump has threatened to veto it. But with McConnell's support here, there might be a veto-proof vote 
in the Senate. Unlike a number of things, there has been bipartisan support for this. I mean, we look to the House. Right in there, we saw this bill passing with more than 80% of the House in support, 140 Republicans joining 195 Democrats. And as far as why Trump would veto this thing that affirms 3% pay raises for US troops and authorizes billions in military programs and construction, is because he's trying to get Congress to repeal Section 230, which is a part of the communications code that shields Twitter, Facebook, and other big tech companies from content liability. Right, so essentially, Trump was trying to hold the NDAA hostage to get his way in a different place, but like I said, it appears that McConnell is breaking away from the president here, though today we did see Kentucky Republican Rand Paul objecting to the quick passing of the NDAA, though for different reasons than Trump, meaning that it will be temporarily blocked. So it is gonna be interesting to watch what happens in the Senate, but also what happens with this situation in general, because we also saw House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, who supports this passing, also reportedly telling colleagues that he would oppose a veto override. So even though right now in the House it appears that they have a veto-proof majority, they may not actually have that if Trump vetoes it. And then let's talk about Facebook's not so fun last 24 hours. So if you haven't seen yet, the lawsuits are stacking up against Facebook. And where we'll start here is with the Federal Trade Commission's lawsuit, right? The Federal Trade Commission formally accusing Facebook of engaging in illegal anti-competitive tactics to buy, bully, and kill its rivals. With the commission saying on the opening page of its lawsuit, Facebook has maintained its monopoly position by buying up companies that present competitive threats and by imposing restrictive policies that unjustifiably hinder actual or potential rivals that Facebook does not or cannot acquire. And here we we saw the FTC specifically list Instagram, which Facebook bought back in 2012, WhatsApp, which it bought two years later in 2014. Notably, that lawsuit also cites 2012 comments from CEO Mark Zuckerberg, where he said that Instagram threatened to leave Facebook, quote, very behind in both functionality and brand. Also pointing out that Zuckerberg once called WhatsApp the next biggest consumer risk to Facebook. But uh, like the lawsuit notes, it's not just about acquisitions. The lawsuit also going on to mention Vine, which first came out in 2013, and then users were able to find friends on the app using connectivity to Facebook. However, Zuckerberg later okayed a move to cut off that functionality, and there you have the lawsuit arguing that this then stripped Vine of a feature that would have helped it to be able to grow. And so what we ultimately saw with this lawsuit, and one of the biggest things with it, is that the FTC is asking a federal court in DC force Facebook to sell off both Instagram and WhatsApp so they can once again become independent businesses. But like I said, the lawsuits are stacking up. This isn't even the only one that was filed yesterday. With this other lawsuit filed by attorneys general in 48 states. New York Attorney General Letitia James saying that Facebook's practices have squeezed oxygen from the tech industry and adding. Today we are sending a clear and a strong message to Facebook and every other company that any efforts to stifle competition hurt small businesses, reduce innovation and creativity, or cut privacy protections, will be met with the full force of our offices. Though, unlike the FTC lawsuit, this one does not explicitly call for Facebook to be broken up. Rather, we see the Attorney General asking the DC courts to do something kind of more open-ended to stop Facebook's anti-competitive conduct in general, while also asking the court to take any other action it sees fit. And here, denouncing that conduct is a bury or buy strategy that forces users who are otherwise dissatisfied with the data usage and privacy options available on Facebook to have nowhere else to go. Now, following those lawsuits, we saw Facebook Vice President Jennifer Newstead responding, noting that at the time Facebook bought these two companies, the FTC approved both the Instagram and WhatsApp acquisition, with Newstead saying, the government now wants a do-over, sending a chilling warning to American business that no sale is ever final. Newstead also going on to label the lawsuits as revisionist history, arguing that antitrust laws exist to protect consumers and promote innovation, not to punish successful businesses. Also saying people in small businesses don't choose to use Facebook's free services and advertising because they have to, they use them because our apps and services deliver the most value. But look, uh, for one, that revisionist history claim is not entirely accurate. For example, with a WhatsApp app, 
acquisition, when the FTC originally approved that sale, it did so with the promise that Facebook would preserve WhatsApp's independence and privacy protections. However, Facebook over the last year has been working to integrate WhatsApp and Instagram with Facebook Messenger, a move regulators have described as a bait and switch tactic that has, in effect, eliminated both competition with WhatsApp as well as its unique privacy protections. Two, Zuckerberg has appeared before Congress multiple times this year alone because of antitrust concern. And three, back in October, House Democrats unveiled a 450-page antitrust report against Facebook, Google, Amazon, and Apple with those lawmakers noting, our investigation leaves no doubt that there is a clear and compelling need for Congress and the antitrust enforcement agencies to take action that restores competition, improves innovation, and safeguards our democracy. And, you know, in addition to that counterpoint, as legal experts have pointed out, the government is well within its right to pursue these lawsuits. Right? And these lawsuits are undoubtedly meant to be a step in that direction. In fact, as the Washington Post noted, lawsuits together represent the most significant political and legal threats to Facebook in its more than 16-year history, setting up a high-profile clash between U.S. regulators and one of Silicon Valley's most profitable firms that could take years to resolve. Which, I mean, that is one of the things to keep in mind. This could take years. And it appears that Zuckerberg is rather confident. Reportedly, Zuckerberg himself even noted in an internal discussion with employees that they didn't anticipate any impact on individual teams or roles as a result of the lawsuit. And as if all of this was not enough, Facebook is now facing issues in Germany. And that's because German regulators announced that they were launching an investigation into Facebook's decision to require people to create Facebook accounts in order to be able to use their Oculus virtual reality products. Which, at the very least, I will personally say is so damn annoying. But also, these investigators say, linking virtual reality products in the group's social network in this way could constitute a prohibited abuse of dominance by Facebook. But ultimately, that is where we are right now. We have a number of lawsuits, and, and keep in mind, this is in addition to other already existing things. But it, it will be interesting to see what actually happens to Facebook, if anything. You know, I think a lot of these companies, they get so big, paying fines just becomes kind of a part of the regular business. You know, with these lawsuits specifically, there is a question of, do we see Facebook get broken up? And the question that I'll pass off to you is, do you think that, that Instagram and WhatsApp should be separated from Facebook? What do you think? What would you want to happen? And that is where I'm going to end today's show. To you daily bastards, thank for supporting the show, hitting that like button. Also, for those that are new here, Hit that subscribe button, tap that bell to turn on notifications. And if you're looking for more to watch right now, there's a ton. We had three other Philip DeFranco shows this week. We've got that brand new DeFranco Does personal video. I got that podcast with John Green. Some linked here and others in the description down below. But with that said, of course, as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you next time.